Welcome to Design Talk. In the next few episodes, we'll be looking at the design ecosystem for new products and new ventures, working across the product team interface, understanding how to work with teams from the outside in and the inside out. Hello, I'm Ankur Banerjee. And I'm Aditya Devilapalli. We are very pleased to welcome Felix Quiz, Chief Risk Officer at Rex System. Hello, Felix. Could you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. Uh, first of all, hi, everyone. Uh, thanks that um, you guys invited me. Very nice. Um, so basically, my background, uh, I graduated with a maths degree uh, with a minor in financial maths. Um, basically, after graduation, I did a little bit of research. Then I was trading for a couple of years, and but always had was kind of like eyeballing to do more uh, something more on the business side, and also just getting more and more into coding. So eventually, I then uh, joined Risk System uh, a couple of years back, and went from there. And now I'm the Chief Risk Officer at Risk System. So, what does flexibility, agility mean in a product development environment? So agility, um, if you talk about agility, right, uh, agility is like a, a certain set of beliefs, rules, like something you would like to apply. And some smart people came together and came up with these rules. So it kind of is supposed to give you a framework, at least some kind of framework where you could start developing in a relatively efficient manner. But we as a company, we don't really label ourselves as like agile. Um, and the reason is that I can only tell you from the perspective from a small company is that things are just too all over the place uh, to just stick to a certain framework. So we take things from Agile and we take things which are included in the framework, um, but we would never label ourselves as Agile. So Felix, can you tell us a little bit about development environment? Um, Do you mean like literally from a coding perspective or just product development? I think product development would be... It's a more the general approach, sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, basically how our business works. So we we serve directly to customers in a way that our software is to some extent very bespoke. Uh, it is not necessarily that we have uh, a product which we just straight up uh, out of the box sell to like all the customers in the same way. Um, so what usually happens is that once the customers are boarded uh, into our framework or into our platform. The actual work begins in the way that the customers then would would you know suggest certain things. They would like to have certain changes. They would like to have you know anything you can imagine, kind of like, and that's basically then where our uh, the big part of our product development starts. So the first thing, step one, is obviously get an understanding of what the customer wants. The second step would be the design process and designing not necessarily just the product in itself, but you know you also get together with the team. You kind of like ask yourself, is this even possible? Uh, it's, a, it's a big question. Is this possible? If it's possible, how can we do it? How can we implement it? So we kind of uh, get some kind of um, you know guidelines of what we're going to do. Uh, and then simply uh, tasks get created, tasks get distributed, and the whole process starts until it's done. Do you involve the customer in the development process? Yes, absolutely. So as I said, um, all of our products are very bespoke. So communication is absolute key. Uh, we keep communicating with the customer. It's, it's just literally the most important thing to constantly keep the customer on track of what is going on. What is the status? You know, constantly push updates. So let's say you have this functionality. It consists of 20, 30, 20 different things. Once you have one thing finished, you send it to the customer, you get your feedback, and then you keep going on. It's almost like a, a scrum 
inside the the product so in general what does uh, communication with your customer look like on a day to day basis uh, on a day to day basis so yeah again depends a little bit on the customer their customer they are um they i would say appreciate a lot of communication so we would then daily you know write emails go on calls you know have meetings um de- depending on the customer again uh but then there are other customers they you know they don't mind too much or they um maybe they don't even have these like intense projects uh which they need us to do so then it's okay to you know get into touch with them whenever there's something ready or once a week or once a month it really depends do you ever end up over communicating how do you find the balance between too little and too much uh, that's a good question um i would say over communicating it's it's tricky um that doesn't really happen in my experience but again that's uh from the perspective of our company and to keep the balance of both that's a matter of experience so over the years you know the company has acquired a understanding of how to deal with the customers and how to judge them and and you know how to how to think um uh, about how we basically do our customer relationship management and that basically defines how we deal with them and how often we communicate uh, felix you have mentioned holding customers hand so what do you actually mean by that holding the customers hand literally uh solves one of the big communication issues so we are a software company and usually the people we are serving they do not understand software development they are not programmers so making people understand what that actually means and what is involved is very difficult because they they literally they cannot see those things from our perspective they literally only have obviously um their their goals and their targets uh, uh you know in their in their head and holding their hand through the development process basically makes sure that both parties are kind of aligned and that it it suits the process and it suits what we're actually doing so that means that the customer doesn't ask things which are literally impossible but also that we make sure that what we're delivering is in line with what the customer do all customers require the same level of support uh no so some customers again also among your customers you have different levels of uh, expertise that doesn't necessarily only refer to the coding aspect but also to the actual industry knowledge um as in our industry which is uh, risk management and finance so certain customers they they really know um everything inside out they often even support us when we develop the product that they would give suggestions and you know advice um whereas other customers they are maybe they have a different background but whatever they need in terms of risk management is still required so they would literally ask us for more knowledge so there you have already two differences so felix uh, we hear a lot about agile and scrum would you call yourself an agile organization uh no um as i explained before so agile is it's a it's a it's a set of beliefs you know it's a set of values uh which kind of like map map to product development but overall uh we as a small company we, we would not label ourselves as agile um but we definitely take certain aspects uh of the agile framework into our development process but this hasn't but this isn't the case because uh, we sat down and we were studying agile um product development it, it's literally um a trial and error over the years which established certain process procedures uh which funny enough uh align with what the uh agile manifesto states 
So what for you are the key behaviors or practices for teams involved in software? Mm, again, speaking from a smaller company, number one, communication, um, absolute key. If you are a smaller team, that means there is more concentration in terms of, uh, you know, expertise. So you have small teams where literally it's, it's five people with five different expertise. So they have to communicate. They have to understand what is possible. Um, the other thing I would say is that the company gives the team a certain level of responsibility so that they are able to make decisions, uh, which basically helps overall to speed up the process and make things more efficient. To achieve an agile environment, there are these certain frameworks. Uh, two very famous ones are Scrum and uh, Kanban. And as I said before, we don't really put labels uh, on what we do, what we are doing. But if we could classify anything, then I would say we probably take a majority of our um, tools tool set from the Scrum framework, which basically means. Uh, that certain projects are outlined, tasks are broken down, they're distributed among the team members, and then there are daily stand-up meetings where everyone basically talks to each other. What do they have to do? Do they have any problems? Is there anything going on? You know, So that everyone is up to speed, everyone is aligned, and that's actually a huge thing. The visions have to be aligned. So if everyone has the same vision, and that goes literally from a company perspective, um, then this is literally the most important thing besides communication. So what are the things that work best for you? Like you mentioned incorporating agile practices as well. So what are the other things? So uh, some uh, software supported tool, uh, which helps you to keep all your tasks in one place, centralized so that nothing gets lost. Uh, I think that's, it maybe sounds obvious, but it's a huge deal. Um, especially if, if the environment is a little bit more dynamic, if requests coming in left and right. So this helps us then to get the overview, um, to, again, assign the right tasks to the right people and, you know, get stuff done as, as fast as possible and as efficient as possible. What does a typical day look like? A typical day? Oh, uh, yeah. So you come into the office, um, you check your emails, and usually then um, around that time, there's then the stand-up meeting. So we would then meet the team meets uh, in the, yeah, just really depends. We just, uh, we just stay in the office or sometimes we go to the boardroom. Um, and we talk about uh, basically our daily tasks. So what does everyone has to do? And again, in the dynamic environment, it is usually a lot, sorry, um, I would say in a smaller company environment, it's usually a lot of different tasks. So we all wear a lot of different hats, you know, that, that could be software stuff, that could be product stuff, could be even marketing, um, could be anything. So we talk about that again, we check any problems, no, everything's good. That's it. The meeting doesn't take longer than five to 10 minutes, 10 absolute max five. That's probably the right average. And then the day goes from there. So can you share your thoughts on teams working virtually hybrid and in person and which one of those works best for you? Yeah. Um, generally, I think that's completely up to the company and how the company is structured. Um, I would believe that bigger companies uh, who have more um, specialized tasks in terms of the jobs they offer, I think uh, probably an online model works as well as an in-office model. Um, as a small company, I, I personally believe that working in the office is way more efficient. Uh, in our company, 
from our experience, we have a hybrid work model. So people can work from home, people can work in the office, but it seems that people just prefer to work from the office. So um, yeah, like usually everyone's in the office anyways. How do you balance the team's need for internal communication, which means interrupt-driven communication versus having too many interruptions to be productive? Oh, so you mean that people are talking too much so they don't work? Uh, yeah, uh, no, that's honestly, that has never been a problem. Uh, usually people talk to solve a problem. And if they need to talk to solve a problem, then that's what they need to do. Okay, Felix. Now I and a little, and to be and to be honest, a little bit of chit chat here and there as well. You know, like that's good to know. Yeah. So I think now it's time for us to have some uh, questions from the audience. So Felix, uh, if you are dealing with a customer, uh, you are uh, explaining everything to him. But uh, at some point, uh, if he comes back and uh, makes some changes uh, in what the requirement is, then how do you accommodate that and? Uh, uh, how will you see through it so that uh, it wouldn't miss the deadline? And uh... so basically, you're asking like if we're in the process of building a product and the customer suddenly wants changes, yeah. uh, how we're dealing with that? Yeah. So uh, again, that's one of the, I think that's one of the base principles of of agile. If I would uh, throw in more buzzwords, um, you have to be flexible. Like you have to be dynamic. If there's a change required, you do the change immediately. There's no question. And I mean, you know, if you want to go deeper in it, I mean, that's then mainly a, a problem in terms of software development. If you're a software company, you have to build the software in the first way, in the way that, you, that you're that you able to make these changes. So, and then that, that goes into the area of system design. And uh... As a small company, Felix, uh, how big is your sprint, like each sprint? The time frame which you take for each activity, uh, like kind of yeah. agile? Yeah, I, I, I love this question, to be honest. So, you know, that's the dream. Uh, that you say, oh, let's we take one week or two weeks and then we finish up all these tasks and oh, great, now we're having coffee and we talk about the next two weeks. Uh, that's not reality. Um, the reality is you just constantly get, get things in and you schedule them where you're getting them in and that all overlaps. So um, there are, I, I would say that you really have those periods um, where you say we do two weeks this and two weeks this um that's not really possible in a small company i but i assume in a, in, a, in a large company that's definitely possible so felix you you have a small company and there are less number of employees so why are you working from office like you could set up work from online as well or hybrid uh yeah good good question again um but the reason is simple we were like guys do what you want let's work from home or work from the office but everyone just wants to work from the office and we realized that obviously when we're in the office you know you know, we can, we can huddle, we can talk, we can have ideas. Like it's just way more efficient. Um, and to be honest, uh, I mean, from our company speaking, like everyone in the team is, is pretty much, uh, uh, how to say like relatively sociable. So we kind of also enjoy just working all together instead of sitting uh, at home alone. To be honest. You mentioned that you will explain the uh, technology side of stuff to the customers so that they understand. I have come from a technical background and I understand that it's really difficult to do that. So uh, how do you proceed uh, with that? Like, how do you do that? Do you have uh, presentations or what is the strategy for that? Mm, that really depends on the on the problem in itself. So obviously, we're always trying to to um, keep things very simple. You know, almost imagine you would explain things to your mother and you, you don't want to overcomplicate things and, and then you just cause more confusion and there are maybe more questions. Um, so 
you, you literally try to cut it off as early as possible. So sometimes you have a question and then you say something like the system has done X, Y, Z. And then they know, oh, okay, something with computer is going on. But then you have people, they understand more and then they ask more and they're like, oh, what exactly happened there? And then you, you literally go from there. You don't want to, you don't want to, um, how to say, just uh, drown them in, in, you know, specific details. So Felix, uh, what's the biggest challenge that you face in the company? The biggest challenge. So I think, um, okay, I'm, I'm going to generalize this a little bit. So what is the biggest challenge right now for smaller companies and like literally across the board who do anything with programming? Um, and this is literally almost every company right now. So the biggest challenge is that you have literally two, two types of programmers. The number one is you have people who are programmer programmers, okay? They usually have like a computer science background. They're very technical, you know, they, they know all the stuff. They know, oh, we have to do the design patterns here and the system architecture and yada, yada, yada. But then you have the people who actually have the industry knowledge, okay? If you have a programmer and, I mean, he's a programmer, but he doesn't necessarily understand maybe, you know, let's say in our case, risk management doesn't really doesn't really say anything to him. But then you have all the risk analysts, but their type of programming is more, you know, the classical self-taught program, you know, which is great. So they, you know, you watch Udemy courses and YouTube and you kind of teach yourself, you, you can write scripts, you can scrape some web pages, etc. And now you have to close this gap between the people who are really good at programming and the people who are, I would say, you know, like understand the basic levels, but of course don't really have the understanding of, how you actually build up a system doesn't, which doesn't explode uh, in production. And to close this gap takes a lot of communication, uh, takes a lot of compromise. And honestly, I think that's one of the biggest challenges. You're telling that you need people who work on technology and you need people in the industry who have those knowledge. Uh, apart from computer scientists, you need the uh, people who work on the industry as well to explain it to them. Yes, uh, imagine, uh, to give you the best example, uh, I, I heard that from someone else. I didn't come up with it, but it's, um, you know, imagine Albert Einstein. So let's say it's a different world and Albert Einstein just finished his uh, theory of relativity and he coded all this thing into like a big pile of a big program, right? So all, all this really complicated stuff. And now someone is like, oh yeah, but if we want to put this into development, uh, sorry, if we want to put this into production, you know, we have to test the code. Um, but Albert Einstein obviously is way too busy to write uh, tests all day long, so uh, he hires a programmer, and then he goes to the programmer and is like, "Okay, here, uh, here are all my papers I have written, uh, and a screenshot of my last lecture I gave. Uh, can you please write all the tests? You know, and if that programmer is not necessarily a, 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 like a you know award-winning physicist, he will probably quit on the spot. So that's that that symbolizes the problem. Yeah, that's a really good example. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Any last thoughts before we finish? Uh, any last thoughts? Um, yeah, um, not, not sure about your guys' background, but uh, I would uh, always recommend to learn how to at least do basic programming uh, in the computer. If that's any advice uh, I would give. Um, that's my last thought. I, the industry needs it. It's high in demand. Um, there's there's uh, a task for literally every industry where you could add a lot of value by being able to yeah, use a computer and uh, yeah, I would say this as my last thought. Uh, well, I think we'll wrap up there and thanks for thank you for talking with us and sharing your thoughts today. It was really yeah, valuable. Thank you.
Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening and sharing this episode. The music is dismantled by Ben Pronti and used with his permission.